The red carpet symbolizes recognition, honor, VIP status. On this podcast, I will roll out my own red carpet, cut from a thrifted dress for some beautiful souls around the world who deserve all the paparazzi crowding their huts and homes, flashing bulbs on their goodness. I am your host, Kristen Lee, for these red carpet moments where we honor the divine and all that is genuinely VIP in each person with the hope that you will be lifted and filled with the desire to connect and expand your heart. Let's begin. What's up, my top dog? Oh my goodness, Sister Cece in the house. We did it. What's up, my sister? Oh my goodness, I'm so happy to hear your voice. (laughs) I am so excited for this episode. I just wish that we could be sitting at a barbecue right now, grilling steak and salmon and doing this conversation because for all of the listeners that is how i met sister Cece, the epic servant of god who comes to kalapapa with beautiful people that she wants to share this special place with and she brings food and gathers whoever wants to be gathered feeds the hungry (laughs) and shares light by her spirit, by light of the briquettes. And I, I just want people to know who you are. And, and I know this hasn't always been um, your path. I, I'm sure you were, you probably felt led to this for a long time, but Um, I would love if you would be willing to share um, a little bit of your story of how you went from stewardess in the skies to full-time servant of the Lord. (laughs) That's pretty cool. So first of all, first of all, you don't want to say stewardess because that's like 1940. Ooh, okay, okay. Yeah, so you want to say flight attendant. So, Ooh, flight attendant. So I was raised Catholic. I'm a local girl. Went to church every Sunday and just went to go. But then as I became adult, I left the Catholic faith for about 15 years and um, lived with boyfriends and had relationships and in the summer of 1997, <clears throat> so I was on a flight. So I, I'm a former flight attendant with Continental Airlines. I saw the world. I had a great time, spread the aloha, meet the locals on the plane, and treat them like they're in first class if they're in main cabin. And I totally loved what I did. But on one particular, so it was a full flight. I don't remember exactly where we were going, but. I remember it was full flight and I was on the bar cart and I was serving drinks. And I remember looking at this one guy, like literally, I just looked at this one guy and it totally hit me. Like, is this what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life? Serving drinks and snacks and meals on an airplane, which I loved what I did. And so In the summer of 97, um, 
a good friend of mine made a retreat and she was like, oh, my God, Susie, you got to make this retreat. It was amazing. And I can't tell you what happened on it. But it was a four-day retreat weekend in St. Anthony's in Kalihi Valley, Hawaii. And I went. And so she had just made it. And I remember picking her up. And I wanted to hear all about it. But she wouldn't tell me because she wanted me to experience for myself what happens. And so... I made that retreat a few months later and it literally, literally changed my life. So I was living with my boyfriend of like 12 years, never got married, never had children, always wanted all of that. And I made this retreat. It was a Catholic all women's retreat. And that was where I was just totally convicted, like literally by the Holy Spirit and started so so it was what somebody said and the experience for the 40 weekend that touched my heart so deeply so it was what somebody said on the last day of the four-day retreat that struck my heart if you know if you're living the if you're living life without the lord you better think twice like she was Mm. looking right at me like i was like she's talking to me (laughs) (laughs) It was so like real and right on. And I started thinking about that. And so on that retreat, I met another woman that told me about another retreat that I made two months later. And it's called the BCC retreat. So basic Christian community retreat. And so I went, but on that retreat, I was supposed to go with like nine other people and Everyone backed out at the last minute because the retreat was sold out, basically. Mm. And they called me the night before to tell me there was a cancellation. Mm. And would I still be interested in coming on the retreat? And I was like, oh, you know what? I got to think about it. I got to pray on this. So they gave me some time. And then I called them back later that night. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be there. So I went on that retreat alone. But it was the same retreat house I went to two months earlier on a Curseal retreat and Curseal retreat is around the world, but it's pretty heavy duty. So I went last minute. I said, yes. And as I arrived, they took my bags and I was like, Oh my gosh, Lord, I don't know anybody here. Like there were like so many people and they came to um, my car and they took my suitcase and I checked in and I was familiar with the place because I'd been there two months earlier, but I wasn't familiar with all the people there because it's not mm-hmm. the same people. Right. So I remember saying a prayer like, Lord, if I'm supposed to be here, just give me a sign. So I check in and they walk me up to my room, but it's the same room I had when I was there two months earlier. Like mm. that's, that's a really rare moment because it's a sold out retreat. And the last one in because there was a cancellation, but yet I get the same room that I had. You know what I mean? So that was right. my that was my answer to prayer that I was supposed to be on that retreat. So I fell so deeply in love with the Lord, like I can't even explain it. I couldn't even try to explain it. Mm. But something happened, and something definitely big time changed in my heart. And so at the end of that retreat, I was like. 
oh, I came looking for a Christian boyfriend and I finally found him. It was this big picture of Jesus. <laughs> and it was amazing. The feeling was amazing. And so one of the nuns, so there was Father Michael and Sister Mary Jo at this retreat that are the spiritual directors for the retreat. She came up to me after and she said, oh, but why don't you come to the monastery sometime? And I was like, monastery? Like, I was raised in Hawaii, like Kailua, never heard about a monastery and where is this place? So <clears throat> sister tells me it's in Wailua on the North Shore and come up and see me. A couple of weeks later, I came up and I, I came to see sister and we talked and talked and um, I was soul searching this summer. This was the summer of like literally soul searching. So I asked myself on that flight that I was on as I served the beverages, I went to my jump seat and I just started questioning, like, is this what I'm going to do the rest of my life? Mm. Like, who am I? Really? Who am I? Who are you? Right. Do we ever stop to think that? Um, where am I going and how am I getting there? Those are my right. questions. And so when I made these retreats and Sister Mary Jo invited me to the monastery, I, I accepted. And so I was driving from Kailua to Wailua on Oahu. And the more I was away from the monastery, the more I wanted to be with everyone. And so um, in... 1999 so 1997 was my turning point back to my faith and in 1999 I, I spent a lot of time here at the monastery so as I was feeling like this was the answer to the prayers I was asking like who am I where am I going how am I getting there and what really is my purpose in life so as I spent months here with the community, it just all felt right that this was the place. But how do I move forward? Like, how do I inquire? How do I, do I fill out an application? Like, what do I do? Because I didn't know anything right. about religious life other than people that give their lives to the Lord. Right. So I started questioning and I sat with Sister Mary Jo for like four hours and she was like, encouraging me and um, guiding me. And then she asked me to sit with the superior at the time to go over all this. <clears throat> and so I made a commitment. I resigned from flying and I made a move to the monastery. So in 2000, March of 2000, I literally got rid of all my worldly possessions Wow. And I had a brand new Toyota 4Runner fully loaded that I was making car payments on. But I literally gave away everything. And I sold my car to pay off my loan. And then I moved into the monastery in March. So by March 23rd, I think it was in 2000, I had moved in to the monastery. And so I remember telling my mom, I said, Mom, I don't know how to tell you this. So you can imagine, I went from one extreme to another, like major glamorous lifestyle, flight attendant, seeing the world, partying, getting paid to do it, to a very humble, 
monastery where I was going to become a nun. <laughs> Amazing. So I told my mom, I said, mom, I don't know how to tell you this, but I think I'm going to become a nun. Like when you know it's right, everything is right. It's good. Every door opens, no negative vibe. And this is where it is. Like, this is what the deal is. And I'm like, whoa, like I never looked back. And so, wow. I remember asking my mom, like telling my mom and letting her know I was going to move into a monastery. And she goes like this, you in a monastery, I'll give you three months. Cause I'm the one dancing on the bar tables. I like to have fun. <laughs> I like to have a great time, include everybody and just party. Like feel the vibe, feel the buzz and enjoy life. Yes. He said that to me and I was like, wow. Like, thanks mom for your support. <laughs> Right. She was like, I'll give you three months in a monastery. Oh my God. Like, so I just celebrated <laughs> my my twentieth year on March twenty-fifth. Wow, amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. So it's been an amazing journey. And you know what? I found my purpose and my calling in life. And how many people can you say? that you know that know their purpose and and their and their meaning of life literally like seriously right so when you find your purpose and your calling it's really a joy and it's not work it is work but it's not work for you it's for the lord and so all my trips to kalapapa like many and sharing kalapapa so beautiful and so much history with individuals that have dreamt of going for you. I would literally wake up and ask the Lord, who do you want me to call to go? And I would call people like I haven't talked to in 10 years. Like whoever was on my heart, I would make that call. And they would be like, oh my God, Sister Susie, that's what I always wanted to do. Oh my God, I can't believe you're calling me. That kind of thing. So um my love for Kalapapa is so strong and for the people. The people are the reason I go. Right. And the beauty, but just to be in the presence of these amazing people that literally touched my heart deeply. I'm trying to think, Kristen, when we first met, like, I think I saw you on your bike and I was like, hey, we're going to have a barbecue. Come on over. Isn't that what happened? Yeah. And I was like, who is this? <laughs> oh, tell me more about this. And well, I think Emily told me about you and she, oh. Emily and I were roommates and she was like, sister Cece's here. And she was like, so excited. And I was like, oh. who's that? And she's like, uh -huh. she's this nun from the island of Oahu and oh. she comes to visit and we party and. I was like, she's a nun? And she's like, yeah, she's rad. And and then I remember coming to the barbecue where you just had all this good food and you were just laughing and grilling this food for people. Yeah. And I was like, what? I love her already. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, you think about Jesus who fed the 5,000. Like he fed yeah. people spiritually took care of their needs and and also fed them and i felt that with you i was like look at this woman Aww. who who loves the lord who feels passionately about people and helping them feel connected 
to God and also wants to help people feel that love through her and through her service to them, whether that's bringing them to Kalapapa, wrapping your arms around them, literally feeding them delicious food over the grill. And and I remember too, that first time we met, as we sat around the the grill, um, you asked us to all share like how we saw, I think the question was, how did we see God today? Exactly, your closest moment. Yes. Uh-huh. And and it was so different for each person. And it was such a beautiful sharing. And I left feeling like equally delighted and uplifted. Uh-huh. And I mean, that was the beginning uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, of this I sisterhood. That. I remember that because it was kind of raining. And we were like, should we go in? Should we stay out? Yes. Right? Yes. And we, I think we ended up staying out, but I saw you talking to Uncle Lino, I think. I don't remember, but you were in a deep conversation with one of the guys that came at the, by the fire. Um, and so for me, every person that I encounter in Kalapapa and in life general is important. And people don't come into our lives just to come in. They come in for a reason and they can come in for a season, for a journey, but there's no coincidences. And so to me, everyone that comes into my life is an appointment from God. How do I react? How do I treat them? How do I love them? How do I support them? And that's I love that. been my motto. Like, how do I see Christ in others? And when we don't treat others with that love of Christ, like that's that's our love for Jesus. So the person that just gives you the hardest time ever, like oh my god, like I never want to see you again. I want to pick you up and I don't want to see you again. That is our measure of our love for Christ. So the mm. person that gives us the hardest time is literally how much we love God and how we how we treat them. Because why? God lives. And every single human being and animal and every plant and everything that you see on this earthly earth is from God. And so that's our measure of our love for Christ. How we treat one another is how we treat the Lord and our measure of our love for Christ. And so I just love people. I love God's people. I love what I do. I love helping people. I love making a difference because those people will never, ever forget what you did. And even on my flights. So there were like times where, you know, whatever, seat duplications and people were arguing. Like this incident happened one time when I was like on three different flights that same day. And we were picking up people and and people that were on the plane came back on to their original seats. And they had this incident happen where... There was a couple that was sitting in the seats that were a seat duplication. So the couple, like from the first flight, they came back on the plane and they saw another couple. In- and so that started like a big argument in front of everybody. It was a full flight. And mm. so I just simply looked at this couple. They were a black older couple. And I said, would you mind just picking up your personal belongings and follow me so that the other couple could sit in the seats that they had? 
this couple, kind of like elderly, like 80, maybe in their 80s couple, black couple. They follow me. I put them all the way up in first class. Mm. And they didn't expect that. Right. And they were just like, so like, oh my gosh, like it could have been the other couple, but because they made a scene, they got their seats back. You know what I'm saying? Right. So this couple that was on the flight in first class were just so overwhelmed with kindness. Like they'd never ever before. <laughs> right. And so they enjoyed themselves. And when it was time to say goodbye, enough, but they will never forget the kindness that was shown to them in the midst of chaos. Right. And so it's beautiful. We have the power to make or break other lives by what we say, how we act, and who we are to them. And so the experience will be a lifetime. And that's how I feel about Color Papa because these people that go for their first time, it's like, I believe I'm in Color Papa, you know? Because Kalapapa has so much history, so much history that when you're a part of history, it's hard to fathom. Like you just like right. can't it. And so, so what I do you feel like is the impact of what has been the impact on these sweet people that you've been able to bring here? I mean, that's a big question. Yeah. To so I never plan what we do other than going on the tour, going snorkeling going to the pier I never planned it other than that and so whatever happens outside of that is really God the people mostly is when they have opportunity to meet those that live there whether Mm -hmm. they're they're residents or patients because it's a true honor but to see the beauty of the place and the sacredness the holiness of the lives that once lived there and they will be there for generations to come in the graves and to actually walk among the graves and to see the history of their dates of their death and their, their, their life, you know, their birth and their death, but to be in service, everyone's really all for being in service there. Right. But they go home different. They're not the same people. And I think it's just the meeting of the people there. Kalapapa is, you know, very sacred in my heart to serve the people there. And even during the COVID, um, knowing that they're all safe because there's no visitors and there's no people that are allowed to go in, that it makes you think about when they all had the sick and they were all directly sent there. And now that there's the sick in a way, the of the coronavirus, they have to stay where they are because to be protected. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. They were all sent there, but, but now we are them in the world. Like we are the ones with the leprosy, but it's the coronavirus. I know. I I thought I've thought about that since being here. Like, what an interesting 
situation to be here where where they were sitting here in exile because people were afraid of them and now we don't let anybody in yep exactly um, and this is the safer place to be yeah exactly you know i miss kalapapa because that was where i cleared my head so working with a lot of people with a lot of problems that was my out just go to kalapapa and have some downtime and delete some files in my head right um and so snorkeling is my all-time favorite so snorkeling in kalapapa i could be down for a couple hours just being with the fish and the beauty of the ocean but the sacredness of being in the presence of everyone and seeing all the graves and everything so well kalapapa misses you and and truly i feel like i can speak for everybody with the gratitude of the light and the the joie de vivre, um, the passion that you bring to this place, Aww. and and the love. I mean, you just radiate like vibes, aloha vibes of love, and people Aww. feel that. And I'm speaking from experience, and yeah. also from, you know from watching people with you. And, and I would love actually, if you could expand on that, just telling us, you know, of your work at the monastery right now, um, because I know that, you know, I think a big reason that I have perceived of why you were called to be a nun and a, you know, a sister in Christ is partly because of your background and your personality and your capacity to connect with people in a way that makes them feel embraced and not isolated or made to feel a guilt or whatever. Um, Right. And so I'd love if you could share a little bit more about that, your, your work at the monastery. So being here for 20 years, um, like I had no idea what I was going to do when I got here. I just knew I wanted to be a sister or nun. And so my love for God's people took me to many ministries and, you know, speaking from your heart, speaking the truth and being real with people is how people get it. The message or your, your way of life. And so I've encountered a lot of different ministries, expose yourself to God's people in a loving way and being real with them but telling them the truth is how you're going to bring others to Christ and so um, like I built ministries over the years 20 years here and it's ministries I never even planned thought about it but it just kind of came to the ministry that it was and so at the monastery as a Benedictine our spirituality but our prayer life is basically um our motto is aura at labora which is work and pray and so my life at the monastery really is work and pray we have 67 acres here that we own and that we um we take care of but we purposely don't put signs on the main road on Farrington Highway because so many tour buses and tourists would be up here and it wouldn't be the peaceful place that it is. And so wow, um, many, 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 many. I've seen just about everything that could happen in life to people. 
come up here for help and they find their way even the homeless they find their way or it's by word of mouth or your pastor or friend someone who knows that we're here and so what our motto is is that we greet every person as if they're christ and so when they see us they don't see us they see jesus in us but we welcome everybody and so being raised a local girl in kailua um that's how you raise you just accept everybody it doesn't matter what nationality what race whatever what age rich or poor you just welcome everyone and you give them what you have and if you don't have to give you find more to give oh i love that whatever it is and so it was all about hospitality it's how can i help you and what do you need and how much do you need yeah and in return with that so many people support you because they see how you roll so in 2012 i was picked by the diocese of honolulu to go and speak to all the outer islands and this was so basically people that worked with the young adults Mm. because when you minister you minister you minister you get pretty depleted and you get drained so you need to be fed and uplifted and rejuvenized and so the diocese used me to go to all the Hawaiian Islands to do that. And I would speak in front of crowds. And so once you're exposed, people see your way and your realness and who you are. And and they basically want you to come back and back and back and back. Right. So that's how I got exposed. And so I humbly say this, but being very well known, it's kind of like being a celebrity because everywhere I go, people recognize me and you know, sometimes you want to just go and not be recognized, um, but they don't forget what you did for them or what you said to them or how you spoke in an engagement. But they remember um, what you did. And so I may not hear from somebody for years and then all of a sudden I get a call that they need help or they're in a situation and they don't know how to get out or whatever the situation is, despair. Yeah. Um, yes, and I humbly say that. Um, because every time I go out and speak, and again, it can be to a few or hundreds, what you say can make or break these, people li- these people's lives, but what you say can also bring them closer to the Lord. So a lot of people follow you because um, I say this humbly, <laughs> but it's like being a celebrity. Jesus. Um, they want more of you, but it's not the you they want more of. It's the more of what's in you. And mm-hmm. it's your way, it's your style, it's how you roll. And so I do have many a times where people will come just to see me and I'm like, okay, there's other people here you can see, so why are you seeing me? Kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But there's an attraction, and I don't mean like a lustful attraction or um you know, like falling in love attraction, it's more of an attraction that they see the Christ in you or they love your way or they love your style. And that's huge because once you bring them, once God allows them to come in, you bring them closer to Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's just being who you are. I can't be anybody else but who I am. And 
a lot of people in this world try to be somebody they're not to be accepted by the right. world. And then that leads to disaster, that leads to abandonment, that leads to suicide, basically. So I always preach this when I'm speaking, that when you know who you are in Jesus and who Jesus is in your life, you're free to be who God created you to be. It doesn't matter ever what people say or think about you. Because 99.9% of the time, it's not about you. It's about that person that has issues with you. It's within them. But the the world and society try to project it on you. But that's not yours to own. That's theirs to own. But usually when someone has issues against you or about you, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with everything in that person that has issues with you. Once people get that, they'll be free. And they'll be out of bondage because a lot of people hold themselves in bondage because this person did this to me or that person didn't pay attention to me. Or, But then the flip side of that is that we have boundary lines in life. And you have the right boundary with people right like if they're not welcomed in your space you let them know that because too often people come into your space where you're not comfortable with them but people don't know how to tell other people you're not welcome here and so we just put on a smile and we take it when actually it's hurting us and so that's one of the things I want to I want to express because you have the right to say no to somebody. You have the yeah. right to have boundaries with somebody that comes into your space. And that's your right. And once people learn that, you don't have to put on the front. You can say what you feel. And it can be done in kindness. It doesn't have to be in anger or resentment. It can be done in love. And... It is what it is. So once you speak the truth, the truth the truth sets you free. A lot of people don't want to speak the truth because they don't want to hurt people or they don't want to be rejected or whatever. But that also makes you who you are. Because who you are is really important. And who you are is really loved by God. And it doesn't matter what others or the world says about you. Because people are going to talk about you anyway. Give them something good to talk about. <laughs> right. And I that's love a that. song by Bonnie Raitt that she talks about. Um, you remember that song, Kristen? Is it um, Let's Give Them Something to, to talk, talk about? about? Yeah. <laughs> because it's so true. And you know what? Who cares what people say, really? Or who, who cares what they think? That's not yours to own. And so I think once people really get that in the world, a lot of people would be set free. Because in general, people just want to be accepted. They want to be loved. They want to be acknowledged. Yeah, I can see that to a point. But, you know, there are people that we connect with and there's people that we don't. And the people that I personally don't connect with, I'm really not interested in being with them. And that's my right. It's not a wrong it's just that I'm not personally comfortable in front of those people. 
or we don't have anything in common. <laughs> right. You know? so, so I have the freedom to say, next. <laughs> right. I'm not interested. Right. So what now? So, well, I was just going to ask you about that. As you know, you mentioned um, so much of what you've been talking about just now. I just love it. feels like the most beautiful, you know, life coach, pep talk, go team, go. Like, we can do this. We can have the power to feel love, you know, regardless of how people are around us and what their needs are. And I, and I know from talking with you, you know, that you work with a lot of people that need those messages. And I, I wonder if you can share a little bit more about um, some of these people that you work with. I know that the issue of suicide has been a, an uh, issue close to your heart and in yes. part of your work. Yes, very much so. So suicide rate in Hawaii is the highest rate in the nation. And people wouldn't think it because we live in such a beautiful place and it's so healing in Hawaii and everything's so awesome. But having teenage suicide the highest in the nation and you don't hear a lot of it's pretty much kept quiet with the exception of maybe two, three times, two to three times a year, they'll talk about it and put it on the front page of the local newspaper. So what happens is these kids feel rejected or neglected. And often parents will ask me personally, what do I think it is? And I think it's this. I think that these kids are looking for love and it's not at home. Mm. And it starts at home. And so when mom and dad are working two or three jobs to make ends meet or they're divorced or there's major um, family issues. The kids will go out elsewhere, acceptance or love. And so in that, they're risking their own vulnerability to others that could bully them, that could reject them or abandon them. And then that leads to destruction. And most of the kids that I work with, they feel that that's the only way out is to kill yourself. And usually when you get to that point, you're desperate. And usually when you get to that point, that person is not you. So that person that's thinking suicide is not the person that is really, um, even though it's within their soul, it's not it's not them. It's not their mind. So there's a darkness that comes over these people that they start believing the lies of what's being told to them in their heads. And then they believe it and then they take their lies. And so, you know, the old saying is don't take up, don't make a permanent decision on a temporary situation. And people don't, think they can get out of what they're in and again it doesn't matter the age or sex or the nationality because feelings are feelings and people hurt and when we're hurt and we're hurt and we're hurt and we're repeatedly hurting um there has to be an end 
And sometimes these people only think to end it out. And that's why they do it, you know? So I've worked with two families where the daughter committed suicide at the age of 18, rejected by friends. And then 10 years later, her brother commits suicide. Oh, my goodness. And then I worked with a family where the son, the only son killed himself. Education, great family, only child. Mom and dad are both doctors. But yet something happened along the way where he didn't feel worthy and he committed suicide. Well, the dad commits suicide 10 years later. Or oh, later. So suicide, because you cannot get over suicide. Suicide will always be with you. You, you will always have the, the guilty feeling or I should have, could have, would have feeling. And, right. you know, unfortunately, suicide is so final, but it leaves the loved ones tormented for life. Right. And that's not just for, you know, a season. It's forever. And they will always remember what they could have done, what they should have done, or where did they go wrong. And so that's the hardest thing about suicide because it leaves your loved ones in totally, you know, they'll never be the same ever again. Never. Wow. What do, so what does that look like, Sister Cece, when you're working with those families to help them heal after that? Well, you know... I had an incident where I went to the family of a young girl that committed suicide and I pulled up and I never felt anything like this ever before, but the whole family came to my car to basically touch me and um, I kind of felt like you were the Jesus for them. Mm. Like they all came to my car. They were all crying when I arrived. They were all in despair. They couldn't believe this happened. And then they all come to you like you're their hope. Like you're the only hope that they have right now. And so that was that was pretty deep because, you know, again, I'm just who I am and we are are who we are. But your presence can make the difference to these families that are hurting. And... I felt that like it wasn't me. It was Jesus and me that was going to the family to have compassion for. And like, you're all they have at that moment, at that moment, you know? So um, it's quite a, it's quite a, um, it's quite shoes to fill because you are not Jesus and you're not the Christ but yet you're the representative of Christ these people that are hurting and right you know it, I mean there's some words you can't even say because you can't express what you're feeling when you get there like it's, it's pretty heavy duty yeah it's pretty heavy duty and you know another thing our young people are dealing with is their sexuality and because of that they don't know who they are. They don't know if they're a boy or a girl. And imagine that living in a living in a body that you don't know if it's if you're not feeling comfortable in your own skin. Right. So then these kids discover, you know, transgender or drag or whatever it is. But then they become who 
they really were so many years ago, but they couldn't be who they were. And so I just had one of my young adults come out that he was a transgender and he found himself and he's really happy. And I'm honestly really happy for this person. And what are you going to do when your kid comes home and he's a drag queen or, or she's a transgender? You know, what are you going to do? There's nothing you can really do but love these kids. And with that love, they're going to make it. And you, you know, you pray for the best for them, but in the rejection along the, the choice they, they make is, can be heartache too. And so, um, it's, it's a hard place to be in because those are your kids and you love them. But a lot of our young people take their own lives because they're not accepted for who they now are. Uh, right. And I would say that the majority of the suicide is that. That they come out who they are and then they're rejected. They're rejected. And the only way out is to take their lives, which is really sad. Come along. That's where I say, hey, I love you. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you are. I love you. And in that, so many of them just trip because, like, a Catholic nun loves me. You know, I'm this or I'm that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because you know what? We are not the judge. We are here for me is to love God's people, no matter who you are, where you're at, or what you've done. You are loved by me, Sister Cece. Other people in my community may see it different. But I don't. I see love. I see we are all at fault. We all fail. And who are we to judge these people that are confused? Like, literally. Right. And so well, that, in that, oh. that makes or breaks these people's lives. Like, literally. And I've helped as young as a 13-year-old that committed suicide. Oh, my gosh. How do you figure that out? Like, Literally, how does a 13 year know how to kill themselves? Or how do they even know what to do? Or how do they even, like, like they learned it from somewhere, somehow, or something that was said? Oh, wow. I, Sister Cece, I just feel so strongly that you and your capacity to love are such a gift yeah. to so many people. And... To the people that you're able to help um, to prevent, possibly from from seeking the way out and taking their life, and then yeah. the families that you're able to help if they've already lost someone. Yeah. And uh, how do you? I mean, this is kind of a two part question, I guess. One is, how do you maintain that strength and that endless energy to be able to continue to love because I know it gets deep and and draining I mean I guess that's let's just leave it at that how do you maintain that capacity to do that and stay full yourself anything we do we have to have balance um I know for me I know how to balance I mean like I know when to pull back I know when I need a break. I know when I need to just chill and go to Kalapapa. 
Right. <laughs> and that's, that's a lot of the reasons why I do go, not for the people I bring, but for my own self in my own way. Um, humbly and quietly, it clears my head to be there. And that's my out. That's my getaway. And, you know, we all need balance because if we don't have balance, we burn, we burn out. And then we're not right. good for anybody. And, you know, that goes for everyone. Like, you cannot continue. Like, there's days where I just have no energy to fix another problem for somebody. And so I either, you know, kind of just head to my room or I face it. And then if I face it, it's truly me speaking. It's the Holy Spirit in me speaking because I have no strength to do it. Right. So that's where that all comes from. But. Um, you know, balance is really, really, really important in our lives when we're helping others because we give so much of ourselves that when we keep giving, 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 we don't have anything for us. And so you have to know when to say no or when to pull back because it can literally destroy you too. And then you're no good for nobody. Right. Right. Is there any, any tips or words of wisdom or practices that you could share that, that could help others find that balance as you do? Well, I think that when you really look at it, you know your heart, only you know when you need to pull back or, you know, leave the scene or even take a break. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, people can tell you, but unless you realize it, so... You know, if you're feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling that you're restless at night, you can't sleep, then something is troubling you. And when you get to the core of what it is, then you'll be free. And, you know, a lot of us go back to our childhood trauma. We all have something. There's no one that has had a perfect child. But we are products of our childhood and how we were raised. And unfortunately, a lot of the young people that are raised are raised, raised in um, abuse or um, very dysfunctional situations or families. Um, I know here in Hawaii, a lot of the local families, parents are either addicts or drug addicts or alcoholics. And so the kids kind of lose because mom and dad aren't there. And so they go and look for someone that will just love them. And, you know, love really, truly is the greatest gift of all because love is free. Love has already been paid on, on the, the cross for our salvation by Jesus. And um, it's really simple to love. And I think keeping it simple in general in our lives is a lot easier than chaos because chaos is of the evil one and um, order is of God. Uh, so I do know this, and it's one of my favorite scriptures, is that God knows, it's from Jeremiah 29, 11, and it's Jesus knows um, the plans for our lives, a future full of hope and not disaster. And if we really trust in him, and we really believe in him, then he will take, he will take it all from us. It's not ours to take. And whenever I work with people in prayer, I always leave it literally at the foot of the cross because 
I can only do so much, but God does the rest. And right. um, honestly, in 20 years, I've been doing this type of work with what I do. I've seen just about everything that could happen in life with people. And um, it's sad and it's overwhelming. Right. You know, you can, you can, you can literally make or break people's lives for the rest of their lives. And so how do we reach out in love? And how do we reach out in, in offering help to these people? You know, and maybe one day we'll be there. If we haven't been there, one day we may need somebody else to help us. And right. that's called the journey of life. And that's why we have each other, you know, and, and, you know, tomorrow is not guaranteed to any of us, any of us. And so yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery. And so we have only the present moment, which is the gift from God. And I think, you know, people are living for tomorrow. They're living, they're living for the next 10 years, but live for today, live for the moment and be in the moment and cherish the people that you're, you're with. Let the people that have put you down rule over you. So cherish the ones that are holding you up and, and let go of the, the negative ones, the negative ones that are already in a situation that just want you to be with them. And as we hear that saying that misery wants company, that's really true yeah. because people don't want to be alone in their misery. You know, and the way the world is today, the pandemic is, you know, it's, it's we're just in a really unsecured place. None of us really know, even as we live, I mean, we have, and I tell my community this all the time, we have everything we, we need to make it. You know, we have food, we have shelter, we have clothing, we have one another. But there are families out there, literally, that don't have anything. And those that by paycheck to paycheck don't have even that anymore. So with the different ministries I have, um, one of my ministries is working with the, the homeless in Waianae. And it's Pu'u Honua O Waianae. And it's, it's a village of over 200 Hawaiians that live homeless. And they literally play a big part of my heart, uh, wow. a role in my heart. And they are human beings for whatever reason went homeless, but they are people too. And so I love them and they know it. And when I come over there, they're all excited, you know, and I'm just as excited to see all of them because they play a very, very special place and a role in my heart. And uh, we are no better than our brother and sister who are less fortunate. We all breathe the same air. We all have a heart that hurts and, you know, all the emotions that go with that. But we're all human beings. We're all people of the earth striving to get to heaven. Trying to get to eternal life one day, you know. But for me, it's like this. What difference have I made in the life I have had? You know, if I was, if I was, so let's say you're talking to someone and you're the last person that that person sees before God calls them home. Mm. What could they take with them to tell Jesus about you? Like Christine was awesome. She was the last person Jesus, like she's just, you know, like what I'm saying. So like, 
think about that. Like, what could they say about you? Did you, right. you know, you know, or did wow. they kick you to the curb or, you know, and that's why when I speak to people or when I hear people, I am totally tuned into that person I'm speaking with because there's a reason why they're here in my life. There's a reason why they're telling me they could have gone to anybody else in the world with their problems. Right. They came to me. So that, that's an indication that, you know what I mean? Like you make a difference and it's not just me personally, it's anybody who takes the time for others that are hurting or an animal even. Except that I have one more thing that I want you to do. And I don't even remember how to ask for it because I remember you did something at the campfire at the little bonfire that we were having. You did something. It was like a flight attendant version of like inviting people to like feel closer to God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. It's the safety demo as a nun. Yes. Can you please do that here? On a plane. Oh my God. You remember that? Yes, I loved it. <laughs> and I feel like we need to have that before we end. I just feel like that's like okay. what our world needs right now. <laughs> okay. So I was, an, I was a flight attendant and I was thinking, how can I bring my flight attendant career that I used to work into my life now as a Catholic nun? And so this is what I came up with. Okay. <laughs> Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard Flight 777 with nonstop service to heaven. Jesus, our captain, and Mother Mary, our co-pilot, have informed me that our flying to heaven is life eternal. In the event of an emergency, remember that white lights lead to red lights, which means you're at or near an emergency exit row. In the event of an emergency, remember that there will be no oxygen mass and oxygen. In your overhead compartments, there will be a Bible and a rosary, and I highly recommend for you to start to pray. At this time, we ask that all cell phones be turned off unless flying to Jesus. In the event of emergency, no extra baggage will be allowed on this flight. So we highly recommend that you get your act together and quit carrying your baggage from life to life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I just, oh my god I can't believe you remember that oh my gosh who can forget <laughs> on the flight to heaven <laughs> um, with Jesus as the captain and Mother Mary as the co-pilot right so and, flight, flight 777 because 777 is the jackpot in Vegas <laughs> did you know that yeah, no, I did not know that. That is yeah. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so I keep adding on, adding on. And so the diocese here in Hawaii wants to do a video of me doing that to use, like, for youth and young adults when there's yes. um, functions and stuff. <laughs> and I love, I love, Sister Cece, I love the end where it's like, stop carrying your extra baggage. Like, leave that behind. Oh, my God. You know. Why? Why do we clutter? Why do we hoard? Like, literally, is there going to be a U-Haul truck following your hearse to your grave to dump all your crap <laughs> in your grave with you? Oh, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, why can't we just live simply with simple? Well, Christian, I really appreciate your you doing this and just connecting with you, but knowing more about me that you never knew. 
Oh, I am so grateful, Sister Cece, that first of all, that I got to meet you before everything got locked down. Yeah. And and share our spirits, our love for the Savior and for and our love for people. Yeah. And and I'm so grateful, yeah, to know more of your story and and to know of the beautiful opportunities that are new for you at the monastery and, ah. and what good hands the monastery is in under your under your heart and soul and oh i just am inspired so thank you for all you've shared and i can't wait to just hug you in person spear some fish for you so we can just feast (laughs) and and rejoice and until then (laughs) i totally totally miss just sitting in the yard by um the guest quarters at the sunset with the barbecue and just hanging out with some beers I know. But you know, if you ever want to just leave and come, if you have a break, you want to come here, it happened. I'll welcome you. I'll aloha you at no cost. And you just get a flight. I can pay for a flight. Whatever you want, you let me know, okay? Thank you. I I will I will do it. I really, really, really mean that. So you let me know. Okay. I will. Thank you, sister. Thank you for <laughs> doing this girl it was really 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 nice to talk with you and share my little story oh i loved it thank you so much okay love you girl thank you for everything love you and you know what <laughs> we what we've been talking for one hour 45 minutes and 31 seconds 32 33 34 <laughs> <laughs> and it could go on i, I so just love you my sister <laughs> okay love you too girl talk to you soon Okay. Right. Aloha. Aloha. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for joining us on this red carpet rendezvous. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review on Apple Podcast and share this with a friend that you think could benefit from some of the thoughts we've shared. Have a wonderful day. Namaste.